Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Northeast Youth Collective. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Deacon Bonnie, Central's Deacon for Faith Formation and Community Engagement. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, welcome back again, Deacon Bonnie. It's always good to have a guest. And let's start off with the obvious question of just what is the Northeast Youth Collective? Ah, the Northeast Youth Collective is a project between six congregations bringing together our middle and high school-aged youth once a month for food and faith formation and fun and some service project learning and the chance to build connections with others who share the experience of being in families that worship, being connected to a church. Is this something that came about because Central doesn't have enough youth of its own to have some sort of a youth group, or is this in addition to? This came about because a number of mainline congregations find themselves with small cohorts of youth and wanting to connect them across multiple settings. You keep saying mainline congregations. Who exactly are we talking about here? Because it's not just Lutherans, correct? Right. We're talking about three denominations. And so by mainline congregations, just meaning typically Protestant congregations who are affiliated with more historical denominations, so versus free churches, uh, unaffiliated evangelical churches, larger Catholic parishes, but really talking about, like in this case, it's some Presbyterian churches, United Methodist churches, and Lutheran churches. And we all find ourselves with somewhere between 3 and 15 youth within the age group that we're talking about. And that's a hard number to get a core mass of on any given day. Mm -hmm. And it's not that they're too small. I think what's been amazing is that we've had this cohort of six youth in that age group that have really connected in our congregation. And because of how active our students are and the expectations on youth in our current culture to be doing extracurricular activities and those kinds of things, to be able to have enough of them available on any given day to be Mm -hmm. able to do activities together. I think that's where the challenges of modern youth ministry and gatherings are coming in. So to get core activities together for a monthly activity or to go do a service project or to go on a trip together, being able to pull together and share resource and perspectives. I love the kind of opportunities that we find when we start doing ecumenical partnerships like this, where the Presbyterians and the Methodists and the Lutherans and you know, let's bring in Episcopalians and let's bring in, you know, all of these denominations that we think close enough to one another that we can get along and we can do work together, but different enough from one another that we're going to poke and we're going to push and we're going to make each other just uncomfortable enough that we need to learn how to define ourselves and articulate our faith even that much more. And I mean, I'm biased because I went to a seminary where that was exactly why I wanted to go to that seminary, because that was inherent in the SEM. So I love this kind of thing, and I'm super excited about this work that Deacon has been doing and how it has grown just naturally out of 
correct me if I'm wrong, Deacon, but this came out of like vacation Bible school that used to have that is still happening in this kind of area, right? Um, so, sort of similar, or is it the similar sort of parishes that were doing that that are now doing this as well? There's overlap between the congregations, but they were very separate things. So there is a Southeast Youth Collective that exists already and has been operational for a number of years. And then when Chris De La Cruz, who is the family engagement pastor for Westminster, started thinking about how to connect in with that same age group on the Northeast side and try to do something much like that, the congregations that he had connections in or could ask for connections to were congregations that had already been intersecting with Westminster, often through that sharing. And so I believe this all started when Westminster and Rose City Park wanted to continue doing more things together as two Presbyterian churches after they had had their annual youth gathering. Okay. And then from there, they connected with Fremont United Methodist, and I know the pastor from there through organizing. No, see, this is all backwards. <laughs> Sorry, it's too complicated. Yeah, that's a too complicated question. Chris wanted to do it. He was connected with Rose City. Then he and I were connected through organizing. And then I had coffee with Erin and invited her in. And that's how we got to Erin. Yeah. Very it's, organic. Let's just call it organic. It's beautiful, it. though. Like, this kind of thing is the way that community organizing really works. And that kind of organic way of things coming together is just an awesome way. I know that people think that sometimes programs in the church need to have this super organizational, we should run it through the things and make, but this kind of organic growing because of the person who knows the person and has the coffee with the person is really how some amazing things take off. This is actually what relaunched Northeast Ecumenical Vacation Bible School. Okay. So it had gone dormant for a number of years and... Chris and I had our conversation around this work, and then I was talking about wanting to connect around the younger youth as well. And he said, oh, let me connect you with Melissa, who does that age group. And I said, oh, I think I know Melissa from 16 years ago and doing Vacation Bible School. So then that got a conversation going again between Melissa and I, and then that folded into Solvay, and then that folded into Aaron. And now we have probably 60 kids coming to Northeast Ecumenical Vacation Bible School this summer after it having been zero for a number of years. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's just one-to-ones and having coffee is how these partnerships are emerging Excellent. and saying we find the same challenges with the pieces of core mass like Pastor Amanda was talking about where you can't get enough of your kids on any one day to show up to make it worth their time to keep it energetic because particularly with kids it's all about their peers and if they can't interact with enough of their peers to make it worth their while it's just not gonna fly mm -hmm. so yeah it's really that organic development of people just talking to each other and saying I think the kids in my cohort would be interested in that and I think it'd be really helpful if we could do this together. So that sort of thing. Is this something that survived the pandemic or grew out of the pandemic in terms of? Um, it grew out of the pandemic. Okay. 
pandemic happens, everybody decides we got to start doing something and getting people together again. Is this something that happened online originally or was it always an in-person thing? The Youth Collective, I believe they did an online version first. Okay. So most of their pandemic time, I was not connected. So Central's been connected with them for about six months. Okay. And that's really when it moved from being the two Presbyterian congregations together to being across now like six congregations. Okay. What kind of things are the kids doing? So we gather from 5 to 6.30, and we begin with some games and some icebreakers and spending time together. And from there, we go into a short teaching time. Right now, our theme is we are following along with the liturgical year because we're moving right into Lent, and there's an awful lot to engage. So that's where we're starting. So in March, we had a pancake feed in honor of Fat Tuesday. And the teaching was about Ash Wednesday and talking about the traditions of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. And we really talked about both fasting and almsgiving as things that we could consider as we were moving into identifying a service project coming up. And then last time we met, their activity was to do a walking meditation. And there was a lot of conversation around contemplation and noticing. Mm Mm-hmm. How has the response been that you've seen? Are the kids super interested or are they just there for the food? I don't think they're just there for the food. So we've had, I think at the lowest, maybe about 20 kids and usually between 20 and 30 kids. Okay. Pretty consistently. And it's short. It's an hour and a half and kids stay engaged during that time. I know that it's been fun for my teen to recognize kids from school that he didn't realize he shared a faith connection with, Mm -hmm. that this was part of his friends' families' activities too. So he knows that his family goes to church, and he knows that the kids he knows at church go to church. Mm -hmm. But then here are kids uh, in a completely different context where he's like, hey, I know that kid. Uh So that's been fun for him. After the first session, I asked him, because I I made him go to the first one, Uh and I I said, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being, don't ever make me do that again, and 10 being, yes, more please, how was tonight? And he said, oh, a 7. Wow. And that is super high praise. That's solid. Yeah. My kid is an introvert, not a super big joiner, does not like to be in a room with people he doesn't know, and he was happy. He was happy because there was at least one other kid from Central there. Plus, he knew kids through school that he knew in the room. And so that made it worth it for him. Mm -hmm. Who has to do the planning for this? Does it swap depending on the church that it's at? Or is one person really in charge of the whole thing? So we've been doing group planning so far, but we're getting big enough that we're talking about developing a core team where instead of having anywhere from six to 10 leaders trying to plan together, can we have a core team and can we make sure that that core team has youth leaders on it? Sure. In the beginning, it was like Pastor Chris and Deacon Bonnie and Pastor Aaron talking and talking together about what are we going to do and a lay leader from Rose City and her, her name is Gail. So the four of us were planning. But now that we have more congregations in and more adult supports as well, We're looking at, can we do a thing where for a quarter, faith leaders, whether it's lay people or clergy from four of the congregations, 
are on the core team for a quarter or for six months and that we make sure that we have youth in the development and implementation of what we're doing because currently it's all grown-ups talking about what we think the kids might want to do <laughs> and that's not really the ideal way to plan to work with anyone so back to that nothing about them without them mindset so we have a small group coming up where Pastor Chris and I are working with the two of us and four youth, two middle school youth and two senior youth to talk about an upcoming service project. So we did a large group listening session where everyone worked together to throw out ideas about what they're concerned about, what they're motivated by, what they're interested in having an impact on. And now we'll break into a smaller group, primarily youth-led to talk about what kind of service project we might be able to do on a larger scale before the end of the school year. Does the ELCA have anything sort of set up for ecumenical possibilities for youth, or is this something that you've sort of looked at the way the city is, looked at the churches in the area, and thought this is something we should do? I think the ELCA has encouragements about how we can be in partnerships with other congregations and those kinds of pieces, but there's nothing particularly formal about encouraging ecumenical youth group ministries together. I think there's a lot of conversation right now in general among ELCA congregations about partnering with other denominations that we are in full communion with around pooling resources particularly in rural areas Mm -hmm. and those kinds of contexts, it makes a lot of sense for congregations to be doing exactly this kind of work. And I think that when we break it down into neighborhoods, when we have conversations about, you know, who are our neighbors Mm -hmm. and our neighborhood ministries like this, Westminster is, what, two and a half, three blocks from Central? Something like that. Right? So when we think about these are these are our neighbors. These are kids that are going to the same high schools. These are kids that are, they could run into each other walking back and forth to their cars on Sunday mornings. To be able to pool resources, share conversations, all of those sorts of things, it is a logical choice. What's in the back of my head asking this question is knowing that the big ELCA youth gathering that was going to happen has been canceled for pandemic reasons. And I didn't know if that sort of let's get everybody together has sort of shifted in something smaller scale simply because of the resources needed to get everybody there and some of the constraints that are happening for medical reasons and otherwise. I think the ELCA will continue to have the large kind of gatherings. Sure denominationally. The National Youth Gathering has been rescheduled for, is intended to occur in 2024 now. Okay. And they've chosen New Orleans. They've chosen the next host city will happen in New Orleans. And at the same time, we are looking at potential opportunities for our youth and potentially opening it up to the youth collective to see if members of the youth collective might want to come along If we were to do something, for example, go on a slam trip up to the Yakima Nation. So, Deacon, I'll pass it back to you if you would want to share any thoughts about that as we're talking about it. When the ELCA youth gathering was canceled, one of the things that Pastor and I wanted to make sure that we did when we let the youth know is come up with some other offerings. And one of the pieces that I was looking forward to with the youth gathering 
was the chance for my youth to connect outside of his congregation and his confirmation cohort. So Central did an amazing job through the pandemic with this cohort of kids who made it through and were confirmed this spring. And so there was talk about, you know, maybe we should have a final retreat or that sort of thing instead of, since we can't have the National Youth Gathering, but I wanted that larger sense of plugging in Mm -hmm. for them. And so we've been dreaming of two different things. One would be a... An upcoming weekend uh, particularly targeted to junior and senior high youth uh, at Holden Village. Mm -hmm. And that's coming up right away in, I believe, May. May. Yeah, it's coming up in May. And so I don't know if we have any youth who would be ready to take on a weekend still in the school year and this soon. And the other offering we brought up to them were these trips called SLAM trips, and that's students learning about mission that occur on the Yakima Nation. Okay. And one of the conversations has been, even if we're only able to bring along part of the youth that we have from Central, if we open it up to the other congregations that our students are getting connected with, we could have a big enough cohort to take on a large piece like that, because that's a like a week-long trip up Mm -hmm. to Yakima and then staying there. And so the kids, we would want to have sort of a core mass for them to interact with. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's hearing this and they're thinking, this sounds really great, how do you get involved in something like this? This particular iteration of the Youth Collective really is Northeast. So I was talking with some folks in the part of the city that I live in, which is Southeast, and they were saying, oh, we should get our kids connected. And I said, well, I can give you the connection for the Southeast one, but this is for Northeast as far as for congregations in Northeast. And there was kind of a quizzical response of like, why would that matter? But we find that it does matter. Uh And it's one of those pieces where it's a little hard to articulate, but it's experiential. So after a decade of faith-based organizing in Northeast Portland, Southeast Portland, all of that, there are divides that are real divides that seem to matter. And the freeway is one. Mm -hmm. The river is certainly one. 82nd can be one Mm -hmm. where people just, it becomes the mental barrier for one thing when it comes to showing up somewhere. But the other is the psychological barrier of being rooted in a place. And uh, just as Pastor was talking about neighborhood and how doing this with our neighbors means that the kids may be going to the same schools or intersecting on a Sunday morning. It also means that service projects can have a real tangible connection, can be about connecting to your neighborhood and really able to get away from this disconnected sense that we can have where everything in life can feel like a one-off and there's no thread because we aren't tied to it. But if your big street cleanup project is actually on the street that runs between my church and yours, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like a one-off anymore. If your service project happens at a food pantry that shares the neighborhood with your church, it's not an anonymous transactional thing. It's part of the fabric of where you live. And so in order to allow that sense of connectivity and ownership to happen, that's one of the reasons that we look at helping it be geographic. And so if folks are interested in connecting, they can certainly contact me would really be the best bet at this point. Excellent. 
And you can contact Deacon by reaching out at Deacon, D-E-A-C-O-N, at centralportland.org. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. What is your hope for this going forward? Do you have any dreams for this group or opportunities that they can do? Uh, I have a hope that this really takes root and continues on. So this is sort of the prototype year looking at can we do this? Is there energy? And so things that I hope evolve are more youth leadership and having a more youth-directed approach, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the themes that we cover, whether it's in how, when, and where we do what we do. So that's a key piece. I also hope that this becomes part of a continuum of connection for our youth that starts with our five-year-olds through 11-year-olds who can go to the Northeast Ecumenical Vacation Bible School and then rolls right into these middle and senior high youth. Sure. So that there's a whole timeline potentially for kids to stay connected to their own church and to one another in other places. I hope it adds fun for our kids. Having fun is really important for all of us, but particularly for youth. And so when we don't offer youth-specific events and chances for youth to be together, some of the fun goes away. Mm-hmm. So I, I would like for our kids to experience community, fun, connection, and a consistency, a through line for them as part of what's available that helps church and being a person of faith be something beyond Sunday morning. Excellent. Anything to add, Pastor Amanda? All of those things. And I think I also have dreams of being able to continue to share resources and see how different things like I had this momentary flash of how cool and fun would it be for there to be opportunity to take a crew to Lutherwood, to Camp Lutherwood, and rent out the camp, Mm -hmm. fill the whole camp with Northeast Youth Collective folks, right? And just dive into something as a whole collective together. It could be just awesome to have that kind of a sharing of resource. And I have no doubt that the Presbyterians and the Methodists have their own kind of resources like that, Mm -hmm. that I probably have no clue about. And what could we learn from one another? And where can we take those opportunities And how can we dream? There's just so much opportunity. And it gives hope in a time when that is a scarce resource. Mm -hmm. It sounds excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda and Deacon Bonnie, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the Northeast Youth Collective. I look forward to sitting down with you, hopefully again soon, on another topic. Thank you indeed, Deacon Bonnie. Any final words you would like to share with us? Thanks for inviting me, and I hope for another opportunity to come and talk with you further. Awesome. We'll take you up on that. Not a worry at all. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And you can always reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. If you have a question, if you have thoughts, if you have a podcast topic suggestion for us, or maybe a question for Deacon Bonnie to bring her back onto the podcast with us, You can also reach out to us on our Facebook page and post it on up there. We would love to hear from you. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you. 
no matter what.